Thank you, worship team. Aren't you glad you're in church on a Wednesday night? Uh, this evening, I'm, I'm going to start out. I can. I'll just tell you from the get-go. Uh, this is this is not a true story. <laughs> a frog called the psychic hotline, and the frog says, "What do you see for my future?" The psychic replies, I see a beautiful young woman who's going to want to know everything about you, inside and out. And the frog asks, well, where am I going to meet her? And the psychic says, in your biology class. <laughs> Get it? <clears throat> uh, tonight and then this upcoming Sunday, Sunday is Palm Sunday. And uh, I'm going to be closing out this three-part message on the blood of Jesus on Palm Sunday. And this evening, we're going to, and then on the weekend, we're going to be looking at the specific places where Jesus shed His blood and how they impact our lives. Uh, a lot of people, when they think about the blood of Jesus, they, they just immediately focus on the, on the cross only. And I don't, uh, by any means, am I trying to minimize the impact of the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is so important, the most important place where Jesus shed blood, because through it, we receive forgiveness of sins. And I'm really happy about that tonight. How about you? But the cross was not the only place where Jesus shed blood, and every place where He did shed blood has a, a specific benefit for you and for me. And so tonight I want to just open with uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, where it says that Jesus loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Now my hope for tonight's service and this upcoming weekend is that we will see something uh, in these two messages uh, about Jesus' blood, and that is, it's personal. It says that He loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. It is personal. We have to be able to understand this uh, if Jesus' sacrifice is going to make the impact on our lives uh, as it should. Now, the, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, His beating, all that happened to Him in His sacrifice for us, uh, when I read about it in the, the pages of the uh, Gospels, when I think about it as we're in this season, as we are, have entered into the to the Easter season, it impacts me on a very deep emotional level. And I realize that I, you know, because I I, I've thought about this, I, I, I always am, um, am affected uh, in communion services. I, it's rare that I don't, uh, when I'm a part of a communion service, that I don't have tears well up in my eyes. And I understand something tonight, and that is, it may not uh, affect everyone, all believers, the same way emotionally. And so tonight, I, I, if, if you don't cry every time you 
uh, receive the bread and, and drink of the cup, it doesn't mean that you love God any less. It doesn't mean that you're less close to God or something like that. I think the reason why it impacts me on such a deep level emotionally is because when I got saved, <laughs> I was really messed up. And, and I know all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, and we had, all of us needed Him uh, and His blood to, to wash us. Uh, but when some of us got saved, we were not at the bottom of the barrel. We were like under, way underneath the barrel, you know. And, and uh, in my life, that's where I was. I, and I literally know that, that Jesus rescued me and he spared he saved my life and saved my soul and so uh, how so I say that to say this however it affects our emotions we all need to know what Jesus did for us that it was personal we all needed him to love us and wash us from our sins in his own blood so I want you to say this with me tonight it was personal and say this with me, it was for me. It was. It was very personal. It is personal. The blood of Jesus is personal, and it was for us. He loved us and washed us in his own blood. Tonight, we're going to look in the, in the rest of this message at the first place where Jesus shed blood, and that was in the garden. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 44, Jesus is praying his prayer to the Father in the Garden of Eden, or I'm sorry, the Garden of Gethsemane, and says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground." Listen, Jesus' blood was shed for our soul. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 39, it says, Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Can you, can you sense the plea uh, to uh, uh, Peter, James, and John? He's pleading with them to watch and to pray with him. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, uh, oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as your will. As we read these portions of Scripture, we, we begin to feel uh, the, the, the sense of Jesus' uh, 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 inner distress at what he is getting ready to face. This greatly affected him. In Matthew 26, verse 38, in the New Living Testament, it reads like this. He told them, these disciples that were with them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. So tonight, the battle in his soul was for 
our soul. Jesus knew exactly what was before him, and as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he was distressed, uh, and we look in the book of Isaiah, it was prophesying in Isaiah 52, verse 14, of what Jesus was going to face, and it says this of him, and this is what is just before Jesus as he's praying in the garden. Just as, uh, just as he was getting ready to go to the cross and to the beating. It says, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. This is exactly what Jesus was going to face. Uh, I know that many of us have seen uh, the message or the the, uh, uh, the the film that Mel Gibson put out. Uh, the Passion of the Christ. And it was so brutal. I know that, that there were probably those of you like me that had a hard time. I, I had to turn my face away at times uh, uh, during the beating and, and so much blood and, and the gore that was in that. But, you know, that movie, as, as brutal and as probably more so uh, 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 descriptive of the sacrifice that he made and the Price that he paid, probably more than any other film that we have ever seen with our natural eye. You know, as, as gruesome and as bloody and as gory as that was, uh, it did not actually uh, bring about a full depiction of what Jesus faced. It was even worse than what we saw in that film. And Jesus knew this was before him. And he struggled with it as he was in prayer in the garden. That and knowing that he was going to take the weight of all of our sins upon him. But listen, he won the battle for our soul. And tonight our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And I know that all of us have struggled in our soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotion. Anybody besides me ever had a mental battle? A couple of us. Anybody here uh, ever wrestled with your will over God's will? Anybody besides me ever uh, had uh, or just needed some help getting control over your emotions? Fear, worry, anger, all of these things. Listen tonight, there is hope for us through Christ. There is power released through Jesus' blood for our whole soul. Say, my whole soul. Mind, our will, and our emotion. Jesus' blood, first of all, was shed for our mind. Somebody say, thank God. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us is our minds. With it, we can think, we can reason, we can dream, uh, we can imagine that our minds are so powerful. And, and, uh, but it's also, and all of us knows this, our minds are one of the great areas of attack from hell. We've all heard of heart attacks, and we know there are some of you here that have uh, at, at a time in your life or times 
have suffered a, a heart attack. Uh, uh, some of us have not, but every one of us here tonight have faced mind attacks. Because Jesus shed blood, we have a defense against mental assault. Now, I want to encourage us every day to apply Jesus' blood on our minds. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank God, God hadn't given us a spirit of fear. He'd given us power, love, and a sound mind. Say sound mind. Sound. Now this two-word phrase, sound mind, uh, is from the Greek word uh, sophronismos. Aren't you impressed with my pronunciation? It's a combination of the Greek word sos, meaning safe, and friend, meaning the mind. Or in other words, it means safe thinking. And in further definition, the word denotes these things, good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, the ability to understand and make right decisions, and it includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. Wow! All that comes through a sound mind. That's what God has given us through Christ. Now, tonight, I want us all to say this. I have a sound mind by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. We have been promised a sound mind. Through Christ, we have been given mental health. We don't have to live our lives in constant confusion and unrest. But we do have an enemy, don't we? We are involved in spiritual warfare, aren't we? And Satan is constantly trying and at work to plant thoughts in our minds. For one, he tries to tempt, uh, tempt us with thoughts, with doing stuff, putting thoughts in our minds to tempt us, to do stuff. And we have these thoughts that say, come on, you, you know, uh, uh, nobody will ever know. Nobody will find out just this one time. Thoughts like that. I know nobody here has ever had those kind of thoughts. I'm, I'm just saying what the devil does to people out there. Uh, sometimes he tries to plant thoughts of doubt and unbelief, negativity and fear. You know, this, the, the, the amazing thing about the way hell works, he will plant a thought. You know, when things are going along good in your life, a thought will occur to you. And, and, and sometimes we may have even voiced something like, man, things have been going so good in my life that, oh, wow, man, I mean, things have been so good. Something bad's about to happen. Can I tell you something? That's got to be from hell. <laughs> right? He tries to sow thoughts of, of doubt and negativity and fear. He sows wrong thoughts about God into our minds. He tries to tell us, well, God doesn't really care, or God doesn't love you, or God's forgotten about you, or God is not listening to you. And tonight, you and I need to learn 
to plead the blood over our minds. Say, plead the blood. Now, when I first gave my life to Christ, I, people told me about this. They said, you need to plead the blood. Plead the blood. And so I did. I, I pled the blood. I plead the blood. I, plead. I didn't know what it meant so much, but I did it because I was told to. I need to plead the blood. I plead the blood. I knew what it meant, the blood of Jesus and, and speaking it over my life, but I didn't know the real impact of doing this. Now, listen. The word plead means to beseech, to entreat, to pray, declare, assert, claim, state, or put forward. So when I say we need to plead the blood over our minds, it means that we pray, declare, assert, claim, state, put forward Jesus' blood over every troubling thought. When we have an unclean thought or thoughts that would lead us into sin, we need to plead the blood over that thought. When we have thoughts of fear, of doubt, of unbelief, or, or thoughts that are contrary to God and of the knowledge of God, we need to take it captive and put it underneath the blood. When we're doubting, when we're negative, when we're fearful, we need to plead the blood over that doubt, that fear, that negativity. I plead the blood. Say, I plead the blood. Yeah, Jesus shed blood for our mind. And tonight, before we move along, we're going to pray. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to pray and make a confession together. And I want you to pray this out loud with me. Just pray along with me. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me. I plead your blood to cover, to cleanse, and to comfort my mind. I have a sound mind through you. In your mighty name, the name of Jesus, amen. Now let's give him a big clap offering and thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You know what we do when we clap like that for him? We're applauding what he did for us. We're applauding his blood that was shed for our minds. Secondly, Jesus pled, shed his blood over and for our will. Uh, the following was Jesus' prayer in the garden. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's interesting that man originally forfeited his will in the garden, in the Garden of Eden, and it was in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, where man restored it back. The man, Jesus Christ. The first place Jesus shed blood was in the agony of surrendering his will. Blood was released, and now through his blood, he gives us help over our own will. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, God's will is best for us, isn't it? That was pretty weak, but here, I want you to say this with me. God has a really good plan for my life. 
Now tell somebody, God has a really good plan for your life. Amen. God's will is best. It's goodwill. Uh, not goodwill as in goodwill, it's, but His will is good. Okay, John 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Jesus said, uh, The Father's will is my food. It's good food. It's soul food. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I want you to say this with me. God's will is good and perfect for me. That was much better. Jesus' blood was shed to give us willpower. Jesus won the battle over his will and now helps us with ours. Uh, anybody besides me ever wrestled with being self-willed? Jesus' blood was shed to help us with our will. Now listen to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12 and 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works within you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, these two verses, I read verse 12 because it, as it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That kind of, uh, a, a lot of times when we read that, we, we almost just stop and focus right there. Work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, and we've got to know that this is, does not mean work for. We, he doesn't say work for your salvation. No, none of us could work for our salvation. We didn't pay the price for our own sins, did we? He loved us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. He's not saying work for. He's saying Literally, work out your own life with God with a sense of reverence and awe. In other words, live that life with a sense of reverence and awe as vital that we get, verse 13, listen, for it is God who works in you. Oh, man, I like that tonight. I'm so glad he works in us. I'm glad he's working in me. I'm glad it's not just me trying to work for God, trying to do something for God. God works in me. God works in us. Hallelujah. It is God who works in us, what? Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, that was worth the price of admission right there tonight. Because Jesus, and if you'll read the context of these two verses, I didn't put it all up here just to save some time, but I would encourage you to read Philippians chapter 2. The verses before these two verses talks about Jesus' sacrifice, uh, that being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but gave himself up, and it talks about his sacrifice uh, and his surrender to the will of God. And then he says these verses, uh, and he talks about uh, God's will. 
God's will, that because Jesus was obedient to, to go to the cross, once we receive him into our lives, God works in us. What does God work in me? He works in us the desire to do his will, or in other words, the want to. And so I just jotted down in my notes uh, uh, this afternoon, as I was going over my notes, I, I jotted down this thought. You know why I live for God today? Because I want to. <laughs> That's it. You know, and, and you know why I didn't live for God before I gave my life to Christ? Didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't want to. I didn't want to live for God. I didn't want to live. I, I looked at the Christian life as being uh, constraining and restrictive and exactly boring. I couldn't imagine uh, not getting high. I couldn't imagine not drinking. I couldn't imagine other things. <laughs> and so I didn't live for God because I didn't want to. But when I got saved, see, I was trying to, and I thought about the Christian life, and I did, but I didn't know anything about it. I couldn't project myself into living a kind of life like I live today, you know, because I was unredeemed. My mind wasn't renewed. But when I gave my life to Christ, He put something in me. He put something in us, that desire to do His will, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Now, that doesn't mean that we've done everything right since we got saved. Uh, all of us have made mistakes. We've had failures. Uh, but we didn't stay and wallow in those failures. Uh, if you have had a failure, maybe you've felt yourself wallowing in that failure. I got good news for you tonight. Jesus died and shed his blood for our sins. And when a righteous man falls seven times, he get back up again. Why? Because of the power of the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Just pause in a moment to catch my breath. Note to self, more cardio. <clears throat> I got to pause for a moment. I, I, uh, I watched a video clip of Mick Jagger once, just not too long ago. This guy's got me by, like, probably 10 years. And this dude's up on the, still, you know. Anyway, I'm, more cardio. Listen, Jesus shed blood for our will. There's power in the blood of Jesus for us to have the will to do the will of God. Through Christ, he gives us willpower. What that means is, listen tonight, we can overcome any addiction by the blood of Jesus. We can overcome any habit. I'm talking about something I know from experience through the blood of Jesus. We can even overcome wrong attitudes. Takes the blood but we can overcome even wrong attitudes. We can be free from drugs. We can be free from booze. We can be free from promiscuity and even being just plain old mean. You see, 
Some Christians, you know, they'll label things. You know, oh, I don't, I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I don't sleep around anymore. Uh, but you know what? Those same people can be haters. Hater. Nah, nah, just, mm, I just mad at people. Can I tell you something? And, and we can excuse ourselves for that because, you know, it's not, it's not drinking, it's not getting high, it's not sleeping around, just being mad, hateful, angry, like that. His blood helps us over all these things. Somebody say, I can have the power of my will to do God's will through the blood of Jesus. Second prayer. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I want you to pray this prayer with me tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for my will. I surrender to God's will for my life. Jesus, I plead your blood over my life. I am free from addiction, from habits, and from holding on to wrong and sinful attitudes against others. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord another big clap. <clears throat> Jesus' blood was shed for our soul, our mind, our will, and finally for our emotions. Emotions can be really dangerous, can't they? Negative emotions, we can be affected by fear, by anger, by depression, anxiety, stress, and hundreds of other negative emotions and feelings. And Satan wants to manipulate us uh, through negative emotions. Emotions. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, says, And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Tonight, have you ever found yourself caught in a mood? Caught in a mood. Or hooked on a feeling. Ah, you know. You ever found yourself hooked on anger? God, that guy makes me so mad and so ticked off at me. You know what? We, we can find ourselves uh, in, in an anger that really, and we, we can think to ourselves, you know what? This is really irrational. My, my whole day or my week or my month or year or decade or half century has been messed up being mad at this person. There are times all of us have been caught probably by the snare of a depressing mood. You know, we don't have to live our lives. I know that all of us have bad days. We can have a bad day. and We can have uh, low emotions and, and uh, uh, just a down day, but it is not meant to be a continual thing in our lives. Why? Because Jesus shed blood so that we could be freed. 
Fear, anxiety, and stress are almost accepted as a norm today because of the times we live in. You know, the U.S. is the most prosperous nation in the world, but we're also the largest consumer of drugs to combat stress and worry. A study by the American Medical Association found that stress is a factor in 75% of illnesses and disease diseases that people suffer from today. And tonight, we are not meant to live that way. Stressed always, always angry or afraid or worrying or doubting or depressed. That is not to be our lot in life. Jesus shed his blood to free our soul, the seat of our emotions, our mind, our will, and our emotions. In Mark 5.15, it says, talking about this guy that came to Jesus, it says they came to Jesus, saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had a lesion sitting and clothed in his right mind. This guy that the Bible's talking about here had some emotional problems. He had been living out in the tombs, naked, uh, uh, the first and the original streaker. I preached a sermon one time on him. I called him a one-man haunted house. He would shriek. He would scream. There's nothing funny about his life as he lived. Uh, he was living in the tombs. Uh, they would put chains on me, break the chains, uh, shrieking, screaming in torment. But listen, one encounter with Jesus Christ uh, and his emotions were set free. Thank you, Jesus. And... And as I bring this to a conclusion tonight, our emotions are meant to be free to serve God. A, a great uh, uh, preacher uh, from yesteryears, I, I remember someone and some of the, our, our pastors here know this name, J. Floyd Williams, an old-time preacher. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but he said, psychologists say we have 42 different emotions, and I believe a good old-fashioned experience with God will affect all 42 of them. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Isn't that a novel thought tonight? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Our emotions are meant to be free to serve God with gladness. If anybody in this world ought to be glad, it's us as God's people. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now again, as he talks about reverence and godly fear, it doesn't mean that we're meant to have a feeling of, of dread or uh, afraid of God and dread of God. It means that you and I should serve God with with a feeling or a sense of awe or wow. Somebody say wow. wow. Now say it backwards. Wow. <laughs> it's like this. Wow, God, you, uh, you continue to blow my mind by who you are and by what you do. Our emotions are meant to be free to serve God. And then finally and lastly tonight, our emotions are meant to be free to serve God and others. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love us, brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Somebody say, 
I'm going to be courteous. <laughs> Thank Jesus. Amen. Our emotions are meant to be free so that we can care for and actually love others beside ourselves. Think about other people instead of just focused on our own selves. We've been set free by the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed blood for our soul, for our mind, for our will, and for our emotions. And tonight, our emotions are meant to be free to serve the Lord with gladness, to be able to serve others with love and compassion and care. Jesus shed His blood for our souls. Aren't you happy about that? Amen. Final prayer. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and I want you to pray this out with me. Jesus, I plead your blood over my emotions. I will not allow fear, anxiety, stress, depression, anger, or other negative emotions to dominate and control my life. My emotions are free to serve you with gladness, with a sense of awe, and to care and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Now would you give the Lord another big clap offering and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Just before we leave, let's stand. I want to encourage you back uh, this Sunday morning, Palm Sunday. We're going to be talking about, I've got a whole bunch of other places where uh, the Bible says Jesus shed His blood. It's going to encourage our hearts in God. I wanted to focus on this tonight because it is so important. Our mind, our will, and our emotions uh, receive help. All of us sometimes are, are attacked and assaulted but there is a defense for our minds, our wills, and our emotions, and that defense is the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? God bless you. Our prayer team will be up here in the front if you'd like personal prayer. 